You're listening to The Razor's Edge, an investing podcast. Your hosts are Akram's Razor, an investor, trader, short seller, and deep dive researcher for the last two decades plus, and me, Daniel Schwartzman, who's worked in investing media the last decade while managing my own stocks. We break down investing themes or ideas and speak with expert guests to get a wider understanding of a given topic. To get episodes of The Razor's Edge, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you have a chance, or share this show with a friend. Reach us on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman or at Akram's Razor. You can subscribe to Akram's The Razor's Edge newsletter at the-razors-edge.ghost.io. The link is in Akram's Twitter profile. Here's our disclosure. The views discussed belong to either Akram or me, respectively, or to our guests when we have them. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice of any sort. We'll disclose any positions and any stocks discussed in the introduction to a given episode. This week, we take a break from our Future of Compute series on the Razor's Edge to talk about Peloton. This earnings season has had a lot of interesting stories, and the deflation of one of the most prominent pandemic market winners has to be near the top of the list. So we break down the guidance challenges and whether Peloton has more to fall or is getting ready for a climb. But this is just as interesting as a warning sign for other equities and the market as a whole. Even though we're hovering around all-time highs, the predictability for individual companies and stocks is low for all the reasons you already know. So we talk about how Peloton relates to Zoom or to NVIDIA or even Just Eat. I hope you enjoy. Couple quick notes. We'll be back with our last, for now, Future of Compute series episode next week for your US Thanksgiving schedule. Also, today's edit is a little sparser than normal in terms of the cuts due to time constraints. If you have any feedback about that, let me know at, at Daniel Shortman on Twitter. Disclosures I am long booking holdings, Apple, Just Eat, and Twitter. Akram is long Zoom, booking, Baba, and Twitter, and short Twilio. Here we go. Akram, let's just keep it simple. What's your take on Peloton right now on their quarter and on what just happened to the former growth darling? I mean, we discussed this last quarter on Spaces. Uh, you know, they reported into that, uh, what do you want to call it? Tread quarter recall. A lot of focus on, uh, you know, COVID comps, headwinds, etc. And and stock, I think, went into that quarter around like 110 or so. Traded down like eight, nine percent because they gave uh, a guide that was, you know, very optimistic for the year, but very. front-loaded negative so like you know the, the path would rebound very strongly so it was one of those guidances which was like when you saw it coming out of the management team and you're thinking about the pandemic and everything that's happened one the first question was which i mean we raised then was like why give an annual guide number one like no one's going to you're not going to get punished if you're a company like peloton that's gone through 
you know, 12 months like you have, and you're like, look, uh, you know, we're going to continue to guide uh, uh, quarter to quarter till it's very clear what the, you know, let's call it uh, COVID headwinds from COVID tailwinds look like, right? And they chose not to do that. They gave a guidance that was like, look, we're, we're not going to grow much next quarter because of these situa- the situation around uh, the tread recall and the reserves and so on and so forth. But, you know, we've uh, worked through the challenges of COVID. We had this big backlog. And, uh, you know, the challenges from the supply chain and everything that we went through in the last year. And that's now behind us. You know, we were supply constrained and we're going to give you a a forecast that essentially models out the path that the business was on before the pandemic. Right. And I think we had, I mean, there's a couple of guys who had, you know, gone long it on the, on that drop. uh, Or I mean, from like a short-term trading standpoint, I think Benji was one of all their guys who, one space is pretty active on it. And I mean, my thinking then was why bother? Uh, like what, give it one more quarter. And if they maintain that guidance, then buy the stock. Otherwise you can get to buy it a lot cheaper. I mean, for the benefit of hindsight, I should have taken a position. Uh, but uh, uh, because it did, uh, I mean, they they blew up as exactly as you would expect a, a major blow up to go. It couldn't have been worse, right? So they go from a thirty five percent, you know, annual guide to like a fifteen percent annual guide. They're still not profitable, obviously. Uh, there's just like a a lot of moving pieces with long term assumptions, which I mean, this is like what I mean. If you're a long term shareholder and you're looking at a name like this. I mean, after what just happened, maybe the stock gets more appealing, but I feel like that there's there's a lot of unknowns here that are hard to get your your head around. Like this churn pickup, right? I mean, it's been inching up. You would think it gets worse. And there's plenty of people with Pelotons who are paying a subscription and not using it, right? Because they financed it. And I mean, that's worked out nicely for them. But like, I mean, when you look at exercise, I, it's it's very hard to think about it and be like, well, you know, what's what's the addressable market of people who are going to be paying a subscription for five straight years? You know, I mean, think about like, you know, Netflix for a decade, right? So when you when you do these subscription comps and you look at this, like I mean, with the nature of, of working out, like at what point is it just like, um, yeah, I, I need a break, right? And they keep introducing new products and it's like, I mean, I, I, if you saw, they, they added like a strength training. Probably you're just like, what, am I just going to be building a home gym with your products? Like any one that I connect to TV, do I need tread? Uh, do I need the bike? I mean, like... There's there's clearly the, the the biggest market that they have is the bike, and the next biggest market 
is the tread, right? If you're doing strength, I mean, you may you may add it on, but like, how does this get bundled? But it's like you need to keep the you need to keep buying new hardware, and at that point, it's just like, why am I just not going to the gym? That's you know, two minutes from me, and uh, particularly if I'm working from home, getting out of the house, and etc. Well, and it's so it's worth sort of resetting just the business model for Peloton. Obviously, is one of those not obviously it's one of those sell the box at pretty close to no gross margin. I think they what do they say it there at sixteen percent or something was what they're targeting for the bike gross margin. They've recently cut their prices. They have the I think I saw 36 months at 0% APR uh, financing, something like 39 months, something like that. And then they get you on the subscription. They build the subscription as high contribution margins, high gross margins, however you define it, get people the content yeah, like mid, product. Mid 60s. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where, to your point, th there's the moving parts here about. You know, they, they're changing the price. They're, they were dealing with supply chain issues. I don't think that was really a factor here. But then, yeah, are people, are they going to be able to continue to sell the box to get the razor in the door or the blade in the door so that you then have to stay on the subscription model? And then are you going to bother with the subscription model if, it, like, and this is where the history of fitness is strewn with things like um, Nordic or Bowflex or all those things in the past. And Peloton is different, probably, but all the, at the same time, you can't help but hear those echoes, right? Yeah, it's different in the sense that there's classes with instructors and there's content, right? So they're completing you know, that like that missing piece that provides a level of engagement that's much higher. That was kind of the challenge with the uh, unconnected fitness model. Well, and they're still making more money from it, right? Like they're, I mean, like just as a business model, they're that recurring revenue and it's, and that was that the growth number there was quite high in this quarter and they're still, but what seems to me the rub of the subscription story, which has to be the bull case, is that it's still such a long way from even coming close to an inflection point on profitability or on like really moving the, the needle when you have all the other questions still there. Like, is, is this a fad? Yeah, is it COVID fueled? The, the, the lifetime value argument, like when you acquire a customer, which they're clearly spending a lot to do, it's, it's kind of incumbent when you want to invest in a business like this that they're not going to churn off and in this case it's like all right i mean they're not going to like you have a very good argument against churn being low in the financing period because you're kind of bundling you're bundling these, these two things together in the sale but after that it's like you know what percentage of people are going to just resell it right like sell the hardware and move on after like they're paying a subscription for two, three, four, five months uh, that they're barely using. And you don't have to use it much is their argument to get value when they compare it to classes at a gym. But I think the uh, the diversity of choice and kind of like the activity nature of that around like something sitting in your home is where they kind of run into that 
which is, you know, the original skepticism around is, is this more of a fad? Is it more of a, or is it just like a very, very niche addressable market? Like how big is the potential market? Look, you do the math on this thing. I mean, where it's trading now, right? I mean, you had like, they reported two quarters ago, they traded down into like the nineties and they came out with their uh, press release about uh, entering apparel. And I mean, the stock was actually green from where it was going into earnings for a couple of days, right? Like bounced back over 110 for uh, for a half a second. And like now, I mean, you're literally over 100% away from where it was then, right? Uh, I mean, that being said, there's been such tremendous volatility in names like this in, in the market lately. but. Uh, when you do the math on it, like, yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the hardware is, you know, it's like a Roku where you look at it and you're just like, I'm not going to factor this into my valuation. Uh, they can, this can run a break even, uh, fine. Right. And you're focused on the subscription side and on the subscription side right now, it's probably trading, at, you know, let's call it, uh, 11 times this this 12 12 month forward or this fiscal year so you know three more quarters ahead um subscription revenue right which let's call that you know growing 30 percent plus uh not bad right but i mean that's trailing off down to you know probably by year end 20 and this is one of those things where it's like, what's the path from here? Because yeah, unlike other subscription businesses, uh, you still, you still have a major drag from, uh, from the customer acquisition cost, marketing spend, et cetera. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm like the marketing base. I don't have their full financials over since they've come public. I don't know how much they, they, toned down marketing they said during the pandemic and then they brought it back up i don't have the comps but the marketing base is quite high and that's like uh it's pro hit so even if you get that 11 times subscription revenue like it still has to cover grow a lot to cover operating costs to where that's like uh to where they control their destiny in in a sense and that's where that's where it's even if you start to make that contrarian, oh, it's attractive, it's a good brand. This is this, let's say, is a management staff. And I guess that's the question. Is this just a management mistake? Like your point is they could have just not given annual guidance. So if they just had a Q1 guide and then a Q2 guide where nothing's actually changed with the business, but they're much more cautious, does that they probably still yeah, I mean, trade look, off. Probably, they probably brought this into the cautious range. You know, they, like this was again the the snafu here. I mean, management teams like this didn't get where they they are by uh, being you know overly conservative. I think like there's a degree of confidence when you have success like this. So, looking at where they guided last quarter versus this quarter. Like you can get the rationale that they that, that that they were approaching, but like you know we've discussed this a few times. I mean, 
not recently, but earlier on, with the fact that like COVID volatility is, is a very unpredictable thing, right? Uh, I, I mean, like we saw it in the last year with so many things that when they benefited from COVID. So, I mean, it's perfectly normal and I'd say prudent uh, to approach, you know, this next phase of the pandemic, i.e. like whether you want to call it the end of the pandemic or the endemic pandemic, where you're just normalizing behavior to what's going on, which is clearly what's happened because COVID isn't over. But from a day-to-day life standpoint, you know, it's no longer impacting people, particularly in the U.S., as it was before. I mean, very little in general. So when you think about it from that standpoint and you look at how they approached it, like you guys were, I mean, like other than Zoom, okay, you know, there's no other poster child for for COVID than these guys, right? And when you think about how much they benefited from it, like it would have been perfectly fine to model internally that you're like going to have a bit of a demand hangover, right? Even though maybe you're not getting the signal yet, right? Like to think, to think about it as a risk and just take the approach that, you know what, let's go two more quarters uh, before we think about giving, you know, an annual guide, because I mean, this is a bit of a roller coaster, right? You know, we went all the way up and we're not expecting ourselves to come all the way back down, but like there may be a couple drops and the bounces and, you know, along the way. And they chose to do the exact opposite. I mean, they gave you their assumptions, by the way, last quarter. So, I mean, they, that to me was like, that was what I focused on and was drilling down on when we were discussing it is that they essentially told you, here is how we are modeling it. And we are using, you know, pre-COVID as uh, like, yes, as our cadence going forward. And that's, by the way, a lot of companies are being modeled that way, right? So when you think about seasonality, I mean, even in the travel space, for example, which right now, let's say is hot, you know, rotation uh, relative to COVID, like you can't expect these, the, the normal seasonality right? Because people just come back, they travel a lot, uh, who haven't been traveling. And then like, that's going to impact, you know, what they do the, the following quarter, right? I mean, you can't, like, you, you can't look at it. We, I mean, we have no other reference point than to look at pre-COVID and say, oh, where are you at relative pre-COVID and what levels are you at? But there's so many moving pieces, like there was supply that came off, you know, average daily rates went up notably, like, I mean, you have casinos in Vegas that are, you know, 99% occupancy and the ADRs are up, you know, 20, 30%, right? Over 2019. And I mean, fantastic right now, but you look at that and say like, how sustainable is it, right? And you're gonna, you're gonna go through some, you know, I, I would think you're gonna have a period where there's like a, somewhat of a mild travel hangover, for example, right? From like a, you know, a robust, uh, you know, three months post-COVID, 
you know, once restrictions have been lifted and everyone's got into vaccinations and you've got different parts of the world moving, right? Like China still hasn't come back to international traveling. They're going to go through a period like Europe's got its mix, right? It's got a rebound in COVID in Eastern Europe right now. I mean, there's places like Russia, which are still a mess. So it, it's clearly a very volatile environment just looking at a space like that. So when you think of something like Peloton and the way they approached it, I mean, yeah, you can say it was completely irresponsible. Uh, maybe just overconfidence because like things have just been going so good for them that they thought that uh, just going back to that, like, you know, without really considering much of a pull, pull forward uh, was the way to go. I mean, clearly wasn't. Well, it's it's interesting what you say in terms of the typical seasonality because and the travel. So on the travel bit, you probably saw the Airbnb thread. Um, Brian Chesky, the CEO and founder, had a thread on Twitter about how travel has changed, stay from home, stay at home, workations, that sort of thing. And Airbnb's Q3 was actually better this year than in 2019 revenue wise which is very impressive you know i travel most travel i've seen some airports that are ahead of 2019 numbers but most of the travel stocks i've seen are still recovering and not yet caught up and so with airbnb on the one hand you wonder to your point is this pull forward like is it a little premature to say that on the other hand you wonder has behavior changed? And that's something we've talked about throughout COVID. And it's surprising that a company like Airbnb would be a beneficiary of changed behavior, but it's totally, you can see how that would have happened. And I then- mean, In their case, I think it's a combination of the two. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think there's, I, I mean, somebody like Chesky, obviously he's seeing, I think he might've said like weekday bookings or whatever, like you can see be behavioral changes that support your yeah, Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Much exactly. bigger than they used to be the extended stays. But then again, I mean, if you really drill into these things, well, like one of the biggest needle movers for them, is, you know, I mean, whatever you want to call it inflation or just, you know, higher rates. So there's, there's less actual, you still haven't recovered from a traffic standpoint, but when you have 15, 20%, you know, up to 30% higher ADRs, that flows right. through nicely. That, that's fair. I, and I hadn't looked into their report at that level too. So I didn't realize that was an ADR thing, but. I mean, booking.com, obviously like, you know, paying close attention there, Expedia. I mean, you, you see it like a big factor of the, of uh, the rebound. And I mean, like with what's gone on in the markets and all this, whether you want to get into crypto and inflation and, uh, you know, which has been a, a big theme this week, you know, the president's focused on nipping inflation in the bud, <laughs> like whatever he can do there other than make a phone call to the central bank. But yeah, I mean, it's prices are higher. I mean, like, you know, we, I don't think we've recorded since, uh, the, the Avis short squeeze, right. Yes, I mean, like that's one where you look at the financials and you're like, oh, you know, they're at like 80% in the US of where they were in 2019. But uh, when you think about it from 
you know, days uh, booked for the cars. But the average daily rate for them is up like 40%. And their, you know, average unit cost for a car uh, because of the changes in depreciation and reselling and everything else going on in the used car market is down 40%. So net result, you know, your EBITDA in the United States is like three and a half X. So, I mean, these are just wild things when, when you look at them on uh, comparing to, to 2019. Now, we can assume that what's happened with the cars is, you know, used cars is not going to continue in, in perpetuity. And uh, ultimately, if you maintain these economics, you're going to just have a ton of competition. So there will be a period where, you know, rates come, come back down. Uh, somewhat, but I mean, like, yeah, these are the things that you're you're kind of looking at with respect to COVID. Clearly, still an ongoing, and I think it's an ongoing thing for another year. And like, yeah, to your point with with Airbnb, I mean, this factors in greatly in their business model. But you you can't really assume pre-COVID seasonality comes back, right? Like. That's just the wrong way to model anything, which basically means this is just a fluid environment that's going to continue uh, probably for another year. I mean, there's so many sectors where you look out like anything that's currently supply constrained and really focused on, right? Like you have to be thinking, well, where's the inventory hangover, right? I mean, if everybody is now assuming like such huge lead times for things, and you know, we went from this like general model in the in, in, in the economy where everything is just in time and you're very rarely holding something uh, in stock for a while. And now you're taking the approach, hey, I need to hold things in stock because one, I think they're going to go higher in price, right? And uh, two, uh, there's a significant risk of if I don't do that, that like I have unfulfilled demand because demand visibility has been you know, lead demand has, has been very strong, right? So like everyone starts ordering more and trying to get, like get in front of this. And at some point there's a cliff, you fall off, right? Like the demand's not there at the same level and you're holding, you know, days of inventory uh, that is well above what you were holding before. And that reverberates throughout the entire economy. I mean, it's like, the space that's that's seen this the most historically, right, is the commodity is the commodity sector. But you're essentially dealing with this across the, I mean, particularly in the United States, across the entire economy, because of COVID. Right. Well, and it's interesting because you, I'm just thinking through this earnings season and through my portfolio, and I'm thinking of a shoe retailer that is talking about visibility into Q3 of next year and a semiconductor systems maker, uh, equipment provider that's seeing booking systems into Q3 of next year and an RV maker that says that next year's fiscal year is already sold out. They've said that for a while now. Like, and that's, yeah. And that's, maybe that's where we go back to Peloton where so much, I mean, you know, you do a lot of, research that goes that is able to poke a hole into all right you don't need to trust 
Jensen or whoever it is, because we can see what's happening and you can see that they're just not ready to face it. Peloton's play was like, that's, that's where they're giving the annual guidance and then having to walk it back so much is, is painful because it's that credibility factor of, do they really understand their business? Can we uh, rely on that? And, you know, and to your point, it, I think they understand their business. I think that there's just like, I mean, almost everybody uh, right now on the way up is like, is reluctant to basically take a, an approach that says, you know what, we, we don't like, there's, this is an ongoing situation and uh, we're, you know, we're playing it by ear, you know, and uh, we don't have the type of visibility. We, well, we think we do, but really we don't. That. Uh, we had before because whatever the signal we were generating before the pandemic, you know, has changed so drastically in one direction and it's very possible it changes drastically in another direction. I mean, it's almost expected, right? I mean, the chip space is a perfect example. Like I can't think of a space that's been hotter. Right. And I mean, who knows when, but like, Without question, the ordering patterns have changed enough uh, that you would you would actually forecast you know, at some point it catches up, right? Because you're essentially running to get out, out out ahead of demand, and you know the supply is tight, and everyone's doing that. Somebody ends up over ordering, right? I mean, like it's just the it's uh, it's a herd mentality, really, if you think about it. Well, and that's what's been interesting about the, not to digress to the interviews we've been doing, but there's inside the, my takeaway from those interviews, like the surface level is there's still a lot of bullishness. There's still a lot of belief that compute demand is more or less linearly rising and so, if not even more aggressively rising. And so, you know, and I know with chips, there's a distinction between the rate the radio frequency stuff or the whatever the the old school chips that are going into cars and the next gen chips but yeah it's it's um and this by the ties back to inflation right the argument over whether it's supply side driven because there's weirdness in the supply chain or whether demand is just so outsized and can demand stay outsized forever or does it have to simmer down a little bit i mean yeah and again combination of both right so the demand pull definitely very strong there's a lot of spaces that i mean it's obvious for why it's happened uh i mean when facebook announces that you know their their capex is going to go up 50 percent uh i mean I was joking that like the dumbest, easiest, you know, way to play that was to go buy Arista and, and NVIDIA. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, uh, after that announcement, if you had done that, I think you made like 40% on both of those names in like two weeks. Now, the, like that goes back to kind of these animal spirits. And I mean, you know that they're, those businesses are essentially constrained enough that, you know, I mean, if you looked at Arista, they're raising pricing like 10 to 15%, right? And that's like pretty much, you know, 80% of the upside in the guidance uh, because their costs have escalated. 
so there's a lot of things where you look into this. I mean, in NVIDIA's case, uh, yeah, I mean, they're firing on all cylinders. Uh, you know, Ethereum difficulty bomb being pushed back uh, to June of next year. And just, you know, I mean, there's no hotter segment of the market right now than crypto, right? I mean, no every way. single, uh, every influencer, celebrity, athlete, big corporations are leveraging it for, you know, marketing dollars right now. So, I mean, that's one of those spaces where you're just like, all right, I mean, you know, like miners are going to keep mining uh, for the next year. <laughs> so it's uh, and with the economics that are going there. And if you, if you like, I mean, that's very reasonable to think that something like Ethereum can get to, you know, $10,000 or, or whatever, uh, that you're going to be in a tight environment for GPUs still. But then at some point, there's a cliff, right? And that's the problem with some of these things now is that like you're renting this obscene momentum, which makes it very hard to be like, oh, I want to own these two companies uh, in my portfolio for the next several years because, you know, I love the business. I love Jensen. You know, I love the themes around uh, gaming and metaverse and whatever. And it's like, well, that's fantastic. But I mean, yeah, I mean, the stock moved 50% in the last four weeks. You know? So uh, you're not going to be sitting here having the conversation next year of like, hey, so-and-so called themselves metaverse. And, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z is launching its, you know, Web3 protocol, right? Like you're not going to be able to attack these things on its catalyst. And mayor of New York is taking his salary in Bitcoin. Like what's it going to be? I was joking. Is it? Next year is the mayor of Puxitani taking his, you know, salary in Groundhog Coin or whatever. Like it gets diluted, right? You go from Tom Brady to Carol Brady, you know. So you ca you can't sit here today and like, you know, it's like Burger King announces uh, McDonald's or whatever announces ten McRib NFTs. Like, what is it next year? Like the hot dog stand outside your building, does it? So I mean, like that's that's where you're kind of looking at it now, and like. In some sectors where the fundamentals are super fire, which is interesting since we're talking about Peloton, which has had had been super fire and now cooling off, right? Like you just think about it and you're like, okay, well, I mean, Peloton traded up to, you know, nearly what is it today? Almost four times the current price, right? I mean, I'm long a little zoom now against this Twilio and like it's now dipped below where I bought it a few weeks ago, right? I mean, Zoom's setting record lows. Much better business economically, obviously, than Peloton. Still, overall, very good position. But like you can see, like once the the momentum goes, you're seeing this in a lot of names. I mean, social media stocks. Uh, like there was, you know, mass enthusiasm around them in the first half of this year. That's died. Streaming. I mean, Netflix being the the outlier because it got dunked on so much. Uh, at the end of uh, last year, beginning of this year, and everybody was focused on Disney. But overall, and again, another space where momentum. I mean, look at Roku. Like, I mean, that's like what 70, 80, 90% uh, rally gets it back to where it was in, in July. So you got a lot, you got a lot of this extreme volatility. And, and by the way, like, if you look at some of these names now, you're like, oh, I mean, Pinterest and Roku, they, they kind of looks reasonable. So like when you look at Peloton where it trades and 
you consider the economics in one respect, you're like, all right, I mean, if I buy it here and they double subscribers in the next three years, uh, I'm paying essentially, you know, five time sub revenue in 2023. So I'm not going to lose money. You can start thinking about it from, from, from that standpoint, but like, how do you make money? And to make money on a name like that, yeah, it's got to really, it's kind of got to really accelerate. And you got to be thinking that like, you know, you can't be thinking that it gets from like two and a half to five. And then at five, you know, it's growing 10%. So like, you got to look at this market and be like, is there a 10 million market here uh, that they're going to get themselves? 10 million subscribers or do you mean $10 billion? No, 10 million subscribers. Yeah, okay. Right? Like, is this something that's going to happen reasonably in the immediate future? Because the next shoe to drop where, like, I can see them, you know, reporting the next quarter and, like, you know, doing better than expectations because they, they managed to reset them here. Uh, I would assume that they're smart enough to get that. And then I can see that, like, focus gets for the, the, the quarter or two after that into like churn, right? Because that's probably lagging and you're probably going to see more of it. And like, that's where you're going to start getting into the assumptions around, uh, you know, like your existing sub base. Like if I'm going to get to that 10 million number, like what, what percentage is churning off really? So what do I have to go through? Yeah. I mean, in, I assume their seasonality around churn has to be better through the next couple quarters as far as less less competition with spending time outside but yeah i i guess that's the these sorts of names i pulled up lululemon's chart as we were talking and they've had their various hiccups over the year and still managed to i mean it's i have i don't know the name well right now but it's it's at all-time highs so obviously something's working but yeah, there there tends to be these periods of di- of indigestion of problems and yeah I guess for Peloton it it seems like there's the regaining credibility and whether they Lulu does fantastic selling you know for a long time really expensive you know yoga pants <laughs> oh, no, I I I am as, right. so, like, I'm aware of their brand. That was my my wife had had that in her portfolio before we met as a sort of Peter Lynch stock, and then just gave up on it, and then it took off, and it's the ultimate family yeah, miss. And then it's expanded to you know men from women. I mean, like the, like the, that addressable market from a customer standpoint is like you know over a hundred million people, easy. Yeah. I mean, and you, yeah, that, and that's a good question. It's Peloton. I'm trying to think of what the other comparable is as far as a name we've talked about where it's unclear. They're trying to do something in a market that there are analog equivalents, but that have never been big. I, I, there's something out there that compares, but yeah, that's the question. Gyms are not, not the most profitable business. Peloton's trying to reverse the, or not the most sustainable business maybe profitability isn't the right word, but sustainable historically. And they're trying to invert that by bringing it home, by selling you the equipment and then getting you on the subscription. But yeah, it's going to be, uh, I mean, what would you need to see? So you, I guess you sort of laid it out. You need to see 
not only a stabilization and return of the growth story, but like a real picture uh, that there's... I mean, a- I, look, I think if you... I think they built a brand. So like if you're buying it here, there's multiple. Um, I mean, you have to... Like going back to what we were discussing, like there's a bunch of good businesses that you can't buy where they're trading at today because they, you know... Are, have been like in a bulletproof environment for themselves that w- w- with all certainty uh, is not going to continue in perpetuity. Uh, in Peloton's case, like if you like the business, if you like the management team, if you like the founder, uh, if you like how they've executed, you now can buy it here. And like the, the downside is manageable, right? Like, you're not, you're, I, I, I can't see you getting completely obliterated because there's a couple of things that will factor into play. One, like it becomes an acquisition target, right? So let's say it falls another 30%. Like, you can probably break even with it being acquired uh, by someone way larger who just wants to roll in that subscriber base. And who, uh, hold, who, what type of, I'm just trying to think what sort of company would it, I mean, is it like a, a Netflix? Like, does a Netflix look at it? Like I, mean, a, I don't know. But like, I mean, Netflix could obviously do it if they wanted to at these levels. Uh, but like the logic, I'm just like in the SaaS space, it's so easy for us to find who might, well, you know. Well, Apple's competing. That's one. Okay. Facebook bought, what's it called last week? Which like didn't get much attention. The thing that I was using, Supernatural. Okay. I mean, that's VR based, but like, you know, it was an Oculus Quest based app that was like, you know, personal trainers in, in VR, in the metaverse, if you want to call it, whatever it is. Okay. So, I mean, like, you can call that technology, you can call that whatever, over that, but like, if Facebook really wanted to step up in that space, like, you know, why not, why not acquire something in this space like Peloton? which has a large base and, you know, bundle in the ability to do uh, like take the content, which already exists and all these instructors. Right. And, you know, have them record. uh, I mean, there's some like celebrity level instructors and have them record the VR based exercises and throw that in with a subscription. Right. So, you know, enhance the value of it. It's like, you want to do these workouts, uh in vr so like you're not buying you don't have to buy particularly dedicated equipment i mean i think that's going to get solved anyway but like you're going to converge these things uh but yeah i mean it's it's definitely something that would fit in uh that would be in their wheelhouse with with what it seems like they're trying to do because you got the connected subs and then you got the free ones so you, you can use it as as an onboarding and i mean for them down here this valuation uh i mean i don't think it's something you consider this exact level but if like the thing was to drop you know another 30 percent right like he can knock on doors and or maybe he'll people will be knocking on his door at that point right yeah yeah that's interesting when you think about some of the nonsense that trades where it trades today you like the brand equity of this thing but yeah i mean like you you're, you're not investing thinking that way you're investing thinking that they can do it and they're going to expand internationally. 
there that there's you know that it's still very early days and the potential subscribers that they they can tap into worldwide and that should be enough to get them to that you know five million number in three years and if they can get to that number in three years i would also assume like they start managing costs better right and making money off of the hardware again you know i mean it still is kind of a premium product right so like you'd like to see the economics get better i think there'll be some focus there like you can't be burning cash at this rate right i mean yeah and that that's it's probably not the focus for people because people are still focused on the growth but the changing guidance around the adjusted EBITDA loss and uh, like it was it was not a small jump it was a pretty sizable gulf but but to your point like you get them in that i mean somebody compared it actually to the quickster incident which i'd say is not really the same thing but still like you get them with the tread we're not going to recall it it's perfectly fine oh wait we have to recall it. We screwed this up. To we're cutting the price on this. To here's our guidance. To oh wait, we got this guidance totally wrong. Here's our new guidance. You know, like I mean, that's been their story for the last three months. I think that management's gotten their their humble pie. I mean, we went through this with Nvidia, without question, less controversial uh, of, of a debate. But there was a ton of people after those. Remember when we did the call? about the nvidia long thesis in 2019 the entire sell side was still was still neutral to bearish they're just like they were extremely focused on uh, gaming gpu not rebounding that much and nobody was giving them the benefit of the doubt of like a major reacceleration uh once the uh, a100 was introduced in data center and that was like 180 degrees from where they were you know 15 months earlier right so, I mean, in that case, it's just like, look, management got it wrong. You know, they went through a couple quarters and like they now, well, like as soon as, I mean, this is, there's a reflexive dynamic here. Like once that happens to you as a management team, it does make you more conservative, right? So like if you get nailed for two consecutive quarters, I mean, the only time I've seen this really not work that well is uh, with Bed Bath & Beyond, because I would be consistently amazed at how how every quarter they would get it wrong. Like, all right, like they missed by a country mile here and here. All right, this is a decent entry point, uh, which ironically became a, a meme. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, like a management team at the competence level of, you know, of, of NVIDIA, of Netflix, uh, of Peloton, once they go through something like this, they're smart enough to recalibrate and and get it right. So, I mean, I don't own Peloton here, but like, yeah, if, if I was, it, it, it's something that I'd keep an eye on. I mean, like, it's, I think it's enough to be in Zoom, which is like getting a lot of the uh, similar, yeah, similar uh, stories over skepticism. By, yeah, you know, how long? How long will they retain uh, a certain percentage of their subscribers? And so many things tied to that business that is, you know, 
180 degrees of where people were, you know, six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Again. But in Zoom's case, with like, you know, two billion dollars in free cash flow. And essentially trading at levels now that you know the only peers uh are like the big tech multiples on uh, on free cash flow generation yeah i mean it, it's funny just the i mean i think we said that we we don't get them all right but i think we did talk about how travel was gonna get frothy like in the same this market sort of extrapolation on a theme and that's something to watch for i mean we nailed that one. We should take full credit for it, Daniel. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it. My, my portfolio has done a lot of catching up with the travel names, but like... Oh, it? 30% in booking in a couple months is... I mean, risk-adjusted is the way I think you need to think about these things. Because, I mean, yeah, I look at a lot of these names and I'm like, oh, I could have just owned this. I could have owned that. I mean, like, this is... I, I know the momentum is strong here. But, like, here's the thing with these. You don't know when to sell. Like, take an upstart, for example. I mean, we've watched this... Like, you can't really complain if you bought it at $30, right? I mean, you know, 15X in like less than a year, you know, other than being like airdropped a coin or crypto. I mean, like, it's, but like, when were you going to sell? Because these things become a, like an impossible exercise in how you value them. So like, there's clearly by the time it got to where it is, there's a lot of new people who came on board. That's what pushed it to these levels, right? And like for them, right? Like, I mean, it's a big win if Upstart is $150 stock, in my opinion, if you consider the type of business it is, right? And like, that's a great investment. But well, I mean, it, but, it IPO'd at 20. I, I, I like was catching up on it in that sell off and wrote a news story. And it's like, yeah, it IPO'd at 20. It was at 100, 105 at the low point this summer, and it's still at 250 after yeah it's insane but if you paid 400 and you're entering here now right and it goes back to 125 it's a disaster right totally so i mean like that's where you get into some of these where you're just like you know you, you need to be thinking about like if i if, if you bought booking or or i mean i mean airbnb is still a little bit rich but like something like airbnb like you, ha you, you, you have a very good sense of what you're underwriting from a downside and what you're paying for it, right? I mean, Booking did $2 billion, you know, in gap income, right, in the quarter. So you can look at these names and be like, yeah, you know, I didn't make any money here over the last three months, but I'm still willing to hold this for the next two years. Right. Like, I don't have to check it every single day and uh, worry about whether or not, like, I'm going to sell it because it's moving, you know, like, I mean, I'm looking at Monday.com this week, right? Like, it's had like four, 10% moves each day of the week. <laughs> yeah. I saw there's a new street high price for that price target. Yeah, it was up 16% uh, Monday, or, or sorry, 10% Monday, 16% Tuesday, down 20. Uh, and then, like, I think it was up eight last I checked today. I mean, like, these are roller coasters, right? Like, that's four trading days. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I was looking at, like, it was feels like just yesterday I was looking at NVIDIA at, you know, just a hair under $200 and being like, oh, all right, things have 
you know, are chilling out in this space. You know, four weeks later, it's, it printed like 340 pre-market. I mean, we saw it with Tesla, 50% move just <laughs> recently. I mean, you know, I shorted that thing just under $900 as, as a funding type play on, on when we did the rotation in, in February, right? And I was like, look, I have no opinion on Tesla. It's just been a speculative frenzy. And uh, if you're going to think that liquidity is going to move in a different direction, here you go, right? And pair it with at the time I would think it was it was booking in Boeing, right? And you close that. I mean, like it didn't really do much, uh, but I mean it dropped twenty five percent, thirty percent, right? Uh, but had been sized considerably. That was nice. But like you're seeing these things where today, you know, rewind two months ago, you could see the way it was trading. You're like, oh, you know, confidence is really is really ticking up here. And then when it really didn't do much on that earnings, which was a pretty solid earnings for them. People waited like a week and they started buying calls like no tomorrow. And I mean, like that's that's been a theme in these names, which has made these stocks like very difficult to approach at. Like someone was asking in the Slack earlier, like, you know, do you think uh, semiconductors are due for a correction? Like, well, I mean, yes, at some point, uh, without question. Uh, but like the problem with the semiconductor space is that like outside of maybe two or three names. Like I look at them today and I'm just like, I can't buy them and sleep on them. Even the best ones. I mean, you can buy Intel. All right. Well, then we've had the conversations about that. And you, you know what you're dealing with there. But like, that's, that's one where it's trading in a whole other universe compared to everything else in the sector. But like, you know, if you like the themes for the long haul, right? I mean, Peloton is an example now where you can make it work. Twitter is an example where you can make it work. Uh, that's what you got to be looking for, right? Otherwise, everyone, you're just, you're just underwriting extremely violent trading. Yeah, you know? I mean, and, that, and that's, yeah. Like Roku even now, despite my like skepticism around certain things or, or around the story, like it's not sensible, relatively speaking. But like fintech, electronic vehicles, semis, there's like many subsets. I mean, fintech, now you've seen it. I mean, like there's a lot of activity there where you're just like, what's going on in this sector? And fintech's really interesting because like if you think about the business, a lot of them, like being the tiniest, the tiniest of middlemen in, in, or just like reinventing uh, some version of the rake uh, and inserting themselves in, somewhere in the, in, in, in the payment flow. And yeah, I mean, like they're printing huge, huge top lines, but like they're, they're, they're a sector where you look at it and you're like, all right, I mean, this is how you make money in this space. I've always understood how you make money in this space. And like, there's not enough room for all of you <laughs> because payment processing, essentially, you know, I mean, yes, it's been dominated by a couple companies. But you can look at their aggregate value that they've generated and then look at what, you know, the market's implying all of you are going to be able to generate. You actually start, like, you actually have to start underwriting the belief that there's going to be notable losers, like a PayPal is going to lose, a Visa and MasterCard are going to lose a decent amount of share, uh, the existing financials in the banking system are going to lose. Like, there's a lot of things where you start looking at that and you're like, 
it's it's become zero sum game versus like one stack has done really well, another one has done you know phenomenally well. So I think that's kind of where you get into. Uh, there's a lot of these spaces where you have these challenges now that, but I mean, on, outside of trading, like it's very hard today in some sectors to buy and hold. Yeah, that's what makes this market so interesting right now, even though on the surface we're still more or less at all-time highs, all anybody is sort of talking about is inflation and whether that, how that shakes out and underneath. I mean, that's funny too, right? Like you've gotten, you have huge dispersion. Like we're at all-time highs, but like, I mean, if I told you, you, you bought, you know, Peloton and Zoom in like, you know, you know, one, one month or two months after COVID started and COVID was still here, you know, two years later. And, uh, You've made no money. Like you'd be like, no way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you literally would be looking at me and being like, yeah, you're you're on crack. I mean, let's see. They are so from March, so they're still up significantly from like March of 2020, but yeah, from I'm like talking like if you bought if you bought them like after we had the uh, what is it called? The, the memorial day uh that's and that's basically they're i pulled the middle of june they're flat they're basically which is like if you think about that pretty ridiculous because that basically there's like a narrow window where yeah i mean you had the opportunity to exit uh way higher uh in both of them but you would have you would mean you would have done better in so many set aside the garbage like you would have done so, way better in just very traditional businesses. Yeah. Booking from that point is about 50%, but then even, I don't know. I mean, J and J is 15%. You'd have a sleepy 15% with Johnson and Johnson instead of the up and down four or flat percentage for Zoom and Peloton. And that's the challenge. Like you had to get to a point with, with them where, I mean, I think the debate started around Zoom last October, right? Where we were like, all right, like the next year is pretty visible on how it's going to pan out. Uh, And it really took it like, you know, I'd say four or five months to really start breaking down to that and acknowledging that fact. So that tells you that like, and particularly when you see the way Tesla and Nvidia traded recently, like the, the retail drivers on a lot of these things, particularly with the options market, like once they rotate away from you, and because there's so much supply now of of names to choose from uh, for momentum, like you're going to go buy a Datadog or or a Cloudflare, and they're going to be in that till you know one or two quarters down the road. Like you know, there's a two percent billings miss, and you know, thirty five percent of the value comes out of it. Yeah, it's it's this everything's good news until good news is not good enough. For whatever you know, I mean, Upstart's a pretty good example of. On the surface, everything was good in that report. I mean, I I didn't dive deep, but the no, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. There's nothing to I mean, there's nothing to criticize. It's just an amazing growth and origination, but like it's an origination business. 
So you can sit there and like, I don't even think, like I think the narrative around the AI part of it is really, uh, what's the word, uh, maybe mis misleading. I don't really think it's that relevant to this. I think right place, right time, right branding. But I mean, essentially assessing the, uh, the credit worthiness, like somewhat incremental better. Like you don't necessarily have a management measurement of that. I mean, like somebody was like, I can't believe it's down this much on, you know, this much loan origination. It's like, it's not hard to originate loans, <laughs> you know, like that's not the problem in, 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 in the loan business. All right. Well, why don't we leave it there with Peloton and with this? I think. Oh, would you buy it here? I mean, that's like a. I, I don't think I would. I don't think it's where I, I. I think it's for Peloton, it's too much. It's still. I appreciate that model. I'm, I, I own a name that's in a similar sort of sell the hardware for cheap to make it back up on the subscription. And I get it. But that's. Uh, I can see where it gets to operating income next year. Whereas in this case, it's a beyond all the other hair. We're still a long way from operating income. And that just makes me with the other questions around on the plus the subscription model and the brand value on the negative, the, I think we can, I'm optimistic enough about the state of the world to say that a year from now, we won't see a worse COVID climate than we do now. And so Peloton has to prove itself. I think it comes down to like what, what, what percentage of the decline is like the management uh, self-destruct, which is a big part of it, uh, with whipsawing you. And like, you know, does it really not have to do much for it to make you, let's say, 20%? And I'd argue that like, you're more likely than not going to make 20% buying it here sometime in, let's say, the next six month window, just by the nature and the way these things are trading, right? Uh, and I mean, that you can see no turn. I think the challenge with it for me, from like being like, all right, like I think they can potentially double sub over the next years and like get some of these things right, and maybe there's some upside in apparel, and uh, you know, they get the cost under control, so on and so forth. and Sentiment isn't going to get any worse than it is right now from an execution standpoint uh, with what's happening between the trend and you know, the reserve accounting and, uh, you know, the complete guidance scope on the end of COVID and everybody being travel oriented and open up names. And, uh, and I get all excited about like, all right, that's like, that's your setup for a long, but then like, I'm like, all right, but I could also like, you know, this is not getting into that range where it's like, all right, this is getting more reasonable. Uh, Twitter, I mean, why would I not buy more here? And I subscribe to Twitter Blue, like, what's the valuation if you're looking at it? Say, stock is 50, uh, that's like 37 billion enterprise value, right? Like, I mean, it's very hard to look at that and, and be like, I don't want to own this business at this multiple over like just, you know, sitting on it for the next couple of years. Alibaba, right? I mean, like these are the types of things where you're like, where, where we went through this with Netflix early in the start of the year, right? I mean, I sold out of all the Netflix recently, but like Netflix was one where you're just, yeah, I get it. But like, it's just a great business. And like my risk reward setup relative to everything else, it's compelling and everything else at that time. And, in early January was absurd. 
right? Like there was just a lot of chaos going on and there was so much stupidity. But like now, I mean, you can be like, well, I can buy Zoom, I can buy Twilio, I can buy Roku, I can buy, you know, so Square's had a pullback, PayPal, uh, Visa's gone nowhere, Starbucks just had a big pullback, right? Like despite the market being at all, all-time highs, and they can buy Facebook for a decent multiple, you know, and like if I have any remote belief that there's anything in the Pinterest business, like that's gone cheap, right? Like I was looking the other day, like AMC's enterprise value is bigger than Pinterest. I mean, like there's just there's a, the list grew significantly uh, on businesses that like you can take a, a buy and hold approach if, if you're getting it in that direction versus like Peloton where it is now. You're like, I just don't see a catalyst, right? But like from a, if you're a trader and you're and you're looking at the setup, right? Like you got a good setup on what like management just gave you an entry point. Uh, where you can almost be indifferent to how this moves out over the next three years and just trade like, you know, the next six months. I think the next big interesting one to report now with all this post-COVID cyberdynamics is going to be Zoom. Right? I mean, like, they like, they have, they have much better ways of, from a visibility standpoint and like they've been moving everybody to be you know, since like what, like last October on, uh, on, onto the annual subscriptions. So I think there's a lot less volatility there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see like whether or not like they got the guide pretty good and, uh, where they direct you. Do they stick with one quarter, uh, or are they, are they going to issue, uh, you know, a four year guidance? And kind of get a sense of, of, of what they're looking at from that standpoint. Yeah, and how, I, the, market, and how the market treats it, because I I'm, I don't think you're going to get much of a surprise there. I, I mean, like, I mean, when we discussed Peloton the first time, I was like, I would have guided roughly to where they guided uh, on the second call, on the second call, right? Like that's what I was looking at it like when I was thinking about this business, lapping COVID, right. Now they they essentially took a supply driven view, right, and did not think that like uh, uh, the demand pull, right, like they viewed themselves as so supply constrained for a year that they finally caught up with it, right, and like they felt like their their guy was prudent, but like they didn't think that there could be like a you know a six month to nine month uh, reset uh, in the in in the, in the traffic, and I mean this by the way goes to the whole traveling diet. I'm like if like a human behavior is such that like you're in this window where you're like thinking about what I'm doing for Thanksgiving or Christmas and where I'm going and where I'm doing this. Like they could see a somewhat better rebound from January, February, right. With the typical seasonal working out versus like a period right now where they may have seen a more pronounced drop off, right. You could see a much more pronounced rebound. And that goes back to our earlier point around, you know, the fact that you can't really look at typical seasonality and that may have been their mistake. And I think that's, I mean, from a trader's standpoint, that's, that's a really good setup. But yeah, I mean, when I look at this on, on a long-term basis, I still think there's a lot of questions because uh, if you looked at, did you look at the statistics on uh, the, you know, average workouts per user? I mean, that's come, that's come full circle really. Right. Like that's, uh, that's definitely dropped off. Notably, I mean, this quarter versus last quarter was, was another steep decline. I mean, you went from 
19.9 to about 16 and a half. So I mean, like that's nearly 20%. And I mean, that number was, you know, two, two, three, two, over 25, three quarters ago. So like that to me is the leading indicator, right? And like, that's essentially, it's, it's almost back below uh, well, I mean, in the vicinity of that window between where the pandemic started, which was like 13 to, to, to 16. So people are, people are using it less, a lot less. That's uh, The Zoom call will be interesting too, because I to me, Zoom Zoom's performance, which has been limp, let's say, in the last couple quarters, that's the warning signal for Peloton. And Zoom didn't even have... They didn't really have like a big snafu in their guidance. I don't think the way that Peloton did, they just kind of reality just kind of sank in. And and so if Zoom isn't able to sort of regain that market energy, I mean, this is a woo-woo way of saying it, but if this, if Zoom isn't able to regain their market energy when they have a better setup and better economics, it, it, suggest that Peloton is really going to have to surprise to really get any any momentum in the months to come. Yeah, I mean I I'd say where it's valued is pretty is pretty sensible. Uh the challenge with it is is that there's there's so many things that are still in in la la land where like it like that's where you get the compelling nature out of it and and like just as we pointed out, I mean, like there's stocks that are just doing that. Like they don't like people aren't trading options on them like VDX. And there's just, you know, like there's not much else to say. Like you look at Twitter every single day, and I'm in the Twitter groups and everyone's talking about what, what's going on there. And it's like there's just there's a group of investors that have no interest. And uh I mean, like till till like you know, nine out of ten coins are no longer traded. And people aren't thinking about this way, like that imbalance is still like that, that's kind of a struggle. Like you just, yeah, like it's it's even hard these days when you get like I mean that that goes back to when Peloton reported two quarters ago. You were just like surprised that uh, it didn't draw down more, but like that was the defense management gave it, and like you had enough people who who like. I don't think anyone really knows how to value some of these things with the way they, they've moved in the last year. That's where the challenge comes in. Like you narrative and, and like the themes are, are so problematic uh, when you've had such wild swings, you know, like you get, like you, you could end up with like, so like, you know, like an Invite, right. I mean, Invite reported this week. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw you. You mentioned it a couple places. Yeah, and like it's like stock was trading twenty percent below where you know shorted in two thousand nineteen, but like if you look at, I mean, like think about how many names fit into that category in a sector where like so many names have done so phenomenally well, but people still are like, this is company's going to change the world, and you're just now like, well, I mean, like it has to eight x from here just to offset like what you missed out in all these other names. At which point, like you look at some of these names, you're like, you can buy them here. Uh, and like, those are like the rare exceptions. But like, that's where you get into these, some of these things where it's like, maybe, like, maybe the economics don't work. Right. 
Like Zoom, we know the economics work. So it's really just been like, is this just, is the market so, like the market, is is the market really underwriting market share losses, like revenue in the negative, right, in the near term? Uh, because of teams, I mean, is that what you have to be thinking about here relative to other names? Because if you think this thing is like it, it, a, a very well-built run business with a fantastic founder and management team, then you wouldn't be you wouldn't be approaching it from that mindset. And that's that the market spirits element here is among the many confounding factors. Well, price dictates narrative, and more so than, than like we were talking about the joking yesterday about the tail, like how much is the tail wagging the dog because of options activity, and someone was like they should restrict this. I'm like, why? They don't need to restrict it. You just you have to acknowledge that that's what's going on. Like when when I can't really like when I have to essentially view like earnings as like a a two week event, right? I quit a couple of reports. I essentially have to get a sense of you know, where it's trading over a two-week window. And we just saw, by the way, recently with uh, with Booking.com, for example, reported, popped like 8%, uh, and gave it all back the next day of earnings. Then the day after, you know, it was up more, <laughs> right? So you were higher than you were after hours in the, on, on, on the first day. And then it added on like another 5%. And now it's almost dropped, you know, right back to, you know, where it was when this all started. So like the the idea of X Y like you know when you read the into it like so and so reported this much growth and it accelerated and it did this and you're like yeah but what does that do for the stock price right and like do I want to own it here six months forward twelve months forward uh, two years forward three years forward like what what are my expectations. Someone was tweeting that, like, I can't believe that these SaaS stocks uh, have, uh, you know, the sell side models them so wrong. And they, they, they think that growth will decelerate. And it's like, no, they don't model it so wrong. They model them exactly as the way management tells them. Right, right. It's uh, not. That's why they beat every single quarter. I mean, literally. Like, what's the point of looking at name? Like, so when they even drop, they don't drop. I mean, how, how often do you have a true SaaS? that actually misses the revenue number, almost never. And remember, no one's even looking at the EPS number anymore. I mean, it was like I was trying to explain that to someone years ago. I used to actually just look at the EPS number, not the revenue number, because an implied uh, uh, a direct connection, that's completely changed. So we just look at the revenue number. And I mean, in software, you also kind of look at bookings, billings, but they don't miss on the revenue number. I mean, there's some names that have been public for, uh, you know, seven years that have never missed the consensus number on the revenue, which just tells you the numbers are too low. <laughs> so, like, it, it, that in itself has been like a, you know, why why would I buy it on a beat? Like, it's the magnet becomes the magnitude of the beat, and then it becomes the magnitude of the expectations around the beat. And then it becomes about like kind of like the sustainability of that and going on and on and on. Now, I mean, Peloton is one of those noisier businesses where they don't have that luxury, right? Yeah, they can. 
Yeah, you just don't have to manage that. Like, and then like you you have like a vol event like once in a blue moon in, in software. It's like a billings miss. And then everybody brings the guidance down. And they still beat the next quarter, but like the growth rate has changed. Right. It's reset. Yeah. Yeah. Peloton, there's still that uncertainty, irrespective of the fact that they've reset and you know, it should be easier to hit that, but there's still so many uh, wild cards or knives in the air that they've got to catch. Yeah, so I, I, I'm still staying away. I think it's more interesting to look at, obviously, prices come down and the subscription number, if that's all you care about, is in the right direction. But yeah, the, there's still a lot, a lot of questions here that have to have to be answered. And then, you know, we were talking, we chatted in the Slack about Vimeo, which was spun off from IAC. And, you know, IAC is a good. And that's, that is cut more than I think in half. And, and like getting in. So then you start to look at something like Vimeo, which they said they weren't able, they had guided, I think, on their analyst day for 30% CAGR. They said that we don't think we'll be able to get, we can't see that for next year, but you still, they're still like now in the 10 times revenue uh, range and they're grow, probably going to grow over 20%, I would say, at least next year. And so you start to, like, there's going to be some interesting names out there in all of this flux. I mean, that's in normal times, not interesting yet, but it's, it's getting there. And so uh, I think that's, but that's what I guess that's for all that the market's at all time highs and for all this volatility, there are because of this, there are some interesting names and interesting uh, opportunities, whether it's Twitter, like you said. Um, I mean, you know, again, <laughs> I had I had pitched just eat takeaway Grubhub earlier this year, and that is uh, not doing well so far. And not so that. It's down quite a bit. I, I don't. Uh, it's probably down twenty percent from where we. Well, I mean that's not insane. It's they DoorDash entering Europe and uh, concern. They are dealing with their top shareholder or one of their top shareholders is telling them to sell Grubhub. Uh, let's see. I, I don't remember how how down it is, but it's. It's struggling. We talked about it in March, and yeah, it's it's down twenty to thirty percent at least. So, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, but the point is, there are names out there, and there are, but there's a lot of noise around all of them, and that's people. Yeah, there's, a, there's a much long, larger list of fallen angel stock. So, like, there's an opportunity to do work on. On names, uh, you don't simply end a pandemic. I think that's part of what you don't simply walk out of a pandemic. Like there's, and I think that's with the macro picture. It's like people we adjust so quickly mentally to the world, and we say, "Okay, we're we're whatever normal, new normal, whatever." But like you know, you don't stop the economy and then restart it on a dime and it's just i think there's so much impatience out there 
in all these different areas. And it's like it, it's still going to take time for things to smooth out and for us to see what's a permanent change, what's a temporary change, even at this late stage. I concur. Thank you for listening to The Razor's Edge. Subscribe to this wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on Twitter at, at Daniel Shortman and at Akram's Razor with suggestions, requests, or anything else. We aim to publish this every Tuesday morning and love to hear from you. If you can share this with a friend or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd really be grateful as that will help the podcast grow and improve. This has been a Shortman Studios production. Our theme song is Move On by Soquel. Thank you for listening and see you next week.